Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back to the Night Report podcast. This is episode five. I'm your co-host Michael Broadbent. Once again, joining us, Richie Schneiderite. Richie, uh, another week, another pretty awful performance from the Rutgers football team. Uh, it's hard to watch. You want to you you want to just call it awful? That's it. I could think of a couple <laughs> other words for it, but uh, that that was brutal. Holy shit, that was bad. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. I guess. You could take the one positive away from it, and that was Bo Melton, who had the uh, couple of nice catches, had the nice uh, touchdown catch, too, with the little toe drag. That route was beautiful, NFL-type yeah. route. Um, he got open pretty quickly. Um, Vedral hit, almost missed him, kind of. But uh, hit him where, where he had to. Uh, Melton caught it. Other than that, the rest of the team kind of sucked. <laughs> I've never Great seen play. a more athletic catch for a guy who didn't have ten another a defender 10 yards within him. It was <laughs> – Crazy, beautiful catch, terrible throw. Yeah, great route. Yeah, no, it, it it was a it was impressive. It was an impressive move by Bo, and it, it shows that NFL um, talent that he has. And it just makes you question why the hell can't they do that? I don't know. Once once every three drives, maybe not even asking for it every drive. Just, geez, the rest of the team though. Um, defense sucked. Quarterback play sucked. Offensive line fucking blows. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to hold back on this one. This this offensive line's trash. Isaiah Pacheco might be the worst running back on a team, which is weird to say. I don't know if he just hasn't gotten any better since his freshman year because he's had some really explosive plays throughout his career at Rutgers, even on some terrible teams. Like mm-hmm. I remember that 75 yard rush, uh, rushing touchdown against Michigan when mm-hmm. they were had they had like the best rushing defense in the league or in the entire NCAA. He's gotten worse each year, seemingly. Like, I don't know if it's just he's taking a lot of hits or if he's just frustrated and I don't know. I mean, you could blame the line a little bit because the line does. The line really sucks, especially on the interior. Um, But at the end of the day, he averaged over under two yards per carry on Saturday. At some point, you have to take a little bit of the blame. You can't blame it all on the offensive line. Yes, maybe 60 percent of it. Yeah. But the other 40%, you should be gaining more than 1.2 yards per carry. Like, holy shit, on 13 carries, too. That was. I think the most concerning thing, too, is it seems like the team is regressing, not just in just natural attrition of just getting the shit kicked out of you every week, but they're like not able to concentrate seemingly. They had the most penalties on the year 11 penalties for 90 yards. Even the coaching staff is getting penalties against them, like stuff that like you'd expect at least Shiano and company to have those guys like laser focused, but even the coaches weren't laser focused. It was embarrassing. Yeah. That, that one like weird flag interference flag, whatever the hell it was that I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like while watching a game, that's pretty wild. I think the only time I've ever seen that called is when coaches get a warning not to come onto the field. And then the second time they do it after the warning, they get a penalty, mm-hmm. but that's not even sideline interference. That's like, I, that's yeah. some, that's some like not a personal foul, but unsportsmanlike conduct kind of thing. Yeah. I've never seen that called. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like the crazy part is, is like not only did Northwestern kind of like disrespect you, but they disrespected you with their third string quarterback. Their leading rusher was their backup, technically third string running back because their starter was injured before the season. 
um, and Andrew Claire, who just dominated. And then um, Stefan Robinson, the kid who I told you on last podcast, yeah. Ash wouldn't take. And then this kid yeah, he, torches you for 115 yards. He really wanted to be here. Damn. Wow. It's just, it's crazy to say. Imagine Bo and Stefan Robinson on the same team with Krupshank and oh my God. That, that's another thing. There were a couple injuries, but. At that, miss Krupshank yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, especially on special teams. What the yeah. fuck? He's got no on? juice. Jesse Parsons. I'm sure he's a good kid. He did not play well on Saturday either. I mean, that's just a long line of guys who did not play well. Like, listen, I, I like Jesse Parsons a lot. I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he takes over that slot position as soon as Krupshank's done. And probably the kick return position too. But when you have all Big 12 kick return of the year and Josh Youngblood, I don't, I don't care how much he sucks at receiver. Don't play him at receiver. Whatever. That's fine. I think yep. actually Brandon Sanders might be better. I think Shemeen Jones might be better than him. I well, I know, but um, on top of that, Youngblood has to be at least a decent kick returner. Like, there's no way. Like, Jesse Parson looks kind of lost. He looks like he's nervous. He looks like he doesn't have the vision that Kirkshank has. And that's where a guy like you got to play Youngblood. Like, it just doesn't make fucking sense. I heard an interesting theory about thing. This kind of situation was maybe that the coaching staff is trying to subtly tell him he's not good enough to play here and hoping he'll transfer by not playing. I've, I've seen that theory uh, on Twitter, yeah. on the boards, on whatever. Um, I, I mean, he, I, from what I've been told, like when he was at Kansas State, he sucked as a receiver. Like I, I'm just going to say it point blank. Apparently his route running was atrocious. He had stone hands. I, I don't see that being fixed overnight. I think that's going to take a couple of years at least to fix. Um, maybe one season to fix. Maybe you try to – I don't know. Did he take his redshirt season? I don't think so because I think he was a freshman when he hit that All-American um i'm not entirely sure that maybe that's like one of those it could be a situation like that you're like all right i have a guy like krupp shank who's going to be here for what this year and next year i think um i think he could if he wanted to yeah eligibility wise if he does come back if he doesn't you still have okay so he didn't redshirt so freshman year sophomore year transfer doesn't count this would be sophomore year this would be redshirt sophomore but so he would still have three more years if you redshirt him this year so maybe it's just a matter of you kind of tell them like, Hey, like your time's coming. You got to work on the receiver stuff, sit out this year or whatever, play your four games or whatever the hell it is. And then uh, you have the next three years. It's all you. So mm-hmm. that was my other theory when I was. I could be. It. So it's, it's a possibility, especially if Krupshank is leaving, then you have Josh Youngblood for two years or Josh Youngblood for three years. And if he's that bad yep. of a receiver, you kind of fix that stuff over this red shirt season. So that, that's just a theory of mine. I don't really know for sure. I can't, be in the meetings i can't be in the coaches minds they're not going to tell us regardless sure so we don't even get to talk about practice so <laughs> are you talking about practice um Jeez. i think the most frustrating uh series was the series that they had i think one or two uh delay of game penalties called then they mm-hmm. called a timeout and out of the timeout they got another delay of game penalty called on them. How does that, first of all, how does that even happen? Second of all, that just goes to show how unprepared these guys were for that game and how probably beaten mentally and physically they are overall. That was like the Ryan field is from what I heard completely silent for these games. So it wasn't like there was a big crowd that was distracting them. They just couldn't get the sh- their shit together. I mean, I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of our board members. They were at the game and they, they brought it up. They said it's a high school, high school football stadium. Like, it's, yeah, I think that was schooly. Yeah. Yeah. It was schooly. It was, it was, it, it, apparently it's that bad. And uh, my uncle was actually at the game. He said, nice people, nice city. Obviously Chicago is beautiful. 
But uh, he said otherwise. It's the stadium's just ugh. like it's it's a dump. Like no one ever apparently, complains if you're at SHI anymore. Like that place is apparently like atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I, SHI might be a, a small stadium on the scale of Big Ten stadiums, but it is fairly well constructed in terms of like ease of getting places. It sounded like at Ryan Field you needed to actually like go underneath the stands between sections to actually get into other parts of the stadium and leave the stadium to get to other parts. Like if you wanted to go from one sideline to the other, you had to actually get out of the stadium and come back in. Yeah. Uh, they, it's, they, it's crazy to say that, but uh, that, especially when you're in big 10, like, and, and they have money, yeah. like they have a shit yeah. ton of money. Like what is your excuse? They did just get a $420 million gift from one of their big donors to, and a big part of that's supposed to renovate that stadium. But, oh, okay. That makes sense. I did see the gift. Yeah. I didn't know what it was for exactly, but that makes sense. Um, in terms of the team in general, like you said before, the, the, the delay of games were ridiculous. The penalties are really bad, especially for a team that was most disciplined team. What? Two weeks ago. Yeah. They, like the first three weeks, I think they were leading the NCAA in like penalties per game in terms of the fewest. Yeah. That's uh that's rough. Um, receivers got to get open. Uh, running game sucks. Kyle Manungai needs to be the starting tailback or at least do a yep. running back by committee at this point. You have three decent running backs. Um, just ride the hot hand. It's it's about time. The NFL does it with just about every single team. It doesn't matter who you have. Kamara has a backup that's pretty good. Um, Barkley has Booker. Um, I'm just naming teams that I've watched recently. <laughs> um, every other team, there's just no solidified starter. There's just like three backs, and it's just like, all right, whoever's, whoever's hot, you're going. Why, why? I don't understand why they don't do something like that in college. I get it. Like, it's hard to substitute maybe. Like, I don't even know the excuse, actually. There is no excuse. So the thing that's really frustrating is Young comes in and he's a great receiver. Mm-hmm. He's able to like churn out some better interior yardage seemingly than Pacheco has. Menongai has clearly outplayed him. I think there's just a loyalty to Pacheco from the staff that I don't really understand. Maybe he because he doesn't ever fumble. Maybe that's it. I, I don't know. Didn't he fumble this week or last week? I mean, he might have. I just mean like maybe in practice he's the guy who is the most uh, protective of the ball. I don't. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, my like you have to play him a non guy. There's no question anymore. He went, he did solid in his little couple of runs. He did solid throughout the season in the little like spurts you've given him. And then he, he catched the ball too. He had three receptions yeah. on Saturday. I mean, yeah, like there's there's no excuse anymore. He might be your best back. You got to play him. I don't care what his size is. Big Ten football. It doesn't matter anymore about size. It's all about football instincts at this point. Clearly, yeah. he is the best vision of the three. He's making this offensive line look decent, which which is insane to say. Yeah, he's had some really – I think there was a back-to-back sequence where he had an amazing uh, blitz pickup, but then the next play he completely whiffed on his assignment on blitz I, yeah, pickup, and then he got his quarterback killed. Um, to, to be fair, I slightly uh, blame Ireland Brown for that one a little bit too because it looked like he was supposed to block the guy and then Manongai was supposed to pick him up and it was just like a whole clusterfuck back there. Yeah, but, yeah. That's another thing. Why I don't I get the experiments. I get it. I understand it. You don't have a line. You kind of want to try new shit. Pallant wasn't your worst offensive lineman. He's probably one of your better ones. Don't sub him out for a guy that doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, like, it seems like they're just like in the, the the weeks leading up. They just put all the names inside of a bowl and pull out five names and say, okay, uh, first name Bordner, left tackle. Second name. <laughs> Ireland Brown, left tack or left guard, and then just like go through and make a fucking starting five. It, it's there's no like 
it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to these decisions, which no, is frustrating. Started, he started the game, but he, he's not good. Like, I, I think I said it when he's on defense. I don't think he was good on defense either. If you watch, I hate to say this out loud, because I, but I think I've said it before. If you watch his senior year tape, there's the same play on there about four different times from four different cam, camera angles. It's really? Punt, it's the same punt block, the same return oh on the ball. And if you watch it, the very first play, and then the like third play, it's just a different angle, same play. And then if you go back like to a minute deeper, it's the same play from the first angle. And then it's back to a third angle. And it's still the same punt block against the same team, against the same whatever. I, I oh. he, he, And he, regardless, he's not a bad prospect. He was very raw out of high school. But you can't switch a guy in, what, October? Or no. maybe September, September, October, whatever it was, and then think like, you know what, starting left guard. So he was in. He was uh, on defense in training camp, and he just got switched to offensive line. He got. In I the forget season. what when he got switched. I think he got switched. Like, I don't know. I, I remember just seeing. Doesn't him. matter. I think it was a Delaware game. I'm looking at the schedule now. Delaware, Michigan. He got switched in one of those. So September, but you can't. No, like, don't just. <laughs> here you go. Yeah. You're starting left guard now. So speaking to you know our lack of an offensive line. We have six offensive linemen coming in in this interior or in the, into this class. Mm-hmm. Do you see any of them making an impact next year? The only guy who looks 100% ready to play is that guy, Kobe Asamoa, the guy yeah. from Ohio. He Which, is like one of the thickest offensive linemen I've seen in a Rutgers recruiting class ever. He, he's just a mean dude, to be honest. I, yeah. I love him. He's, and he's such like a, like you talk to him, he's very nice, very down to earth, very like calm. Then you watch him on the field and you're like, holy shit, this kid's like mauling people. Like, yeah, yeah, but uh, the only issue with him is that he's probably going to play center, and I, I could see him competing a little bit with Zelenskis, but I, it sounds, if you look at the snap counts, it looks like they love Zelenskis. He's about a mm-hmm. burn, if not, he, if he might have burned his red shirt already, actually. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be I imagine he has. Especially when you have a six-year starter at center, so it's like, don't get me wrong, I, I love Krim, but he, he's been struggling mightily, so I guess it makes sense to put someone else in, but the fact that Zelenskis already burned his red shirt, or is close to is, is very telling, and I think he slides right into that spot uh, next year. So <clears throat> we're on a bye this week. No game on Saturday, obviously. We have a week to pre- we have an extra week to prepare for Illinois. What would be some of the things you would expect to see at Illinois on uh, October the 30th when we play them? Any, I'm talking about changes or different philosophy kind of things with the team. Changes-wise? Well, f- first things first. Like They're playing Penn State this weekend, I believe. They are playing at Penn State, so they are going to come back to Champaign uh, in body bags. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think uh, Brandon Peters is healthy either. So it sounds like Sikowski might get that start. If I'm Shiano, I'm putting my entire team in that Hale Center room, and not one single fucking person is leaving throughout that entire game. We are watching the game together. We're breaking it down together. We're gonna figure out how the hell we have a shot at pulling this one off. I don't think they do, but. That's, that's, that's rule number one. Like we're figuring out like what this team does good, how we're going to stop it, blah, blah, blah. Um, in terms of personnel changes, I, I think the thing I hit on the most before was the run game. You got to switch something up there. Um, that's rule number one. Number two, stop. Well, I, this is going back to like a one, one, eight type thing. Um, Gavin Wimsett's not playing. Get over it. Vedral's a starter. End of story. Move along. Don't even think. Yeah, about like, the I can't believe that people are even recommending playing Wimsett. Like, why would you want him to get killed, lose all his confidence, and then possibly think maybe well, I shouldn't be here? Yeah, no. Well, number one, that that's a very good point. Number two, um, he's gonna die if he goes back there behind that line. <laughs> number three, you kind of you still you have him under 
on your roster already. He's a four-star, very talented quarterback. You still got to use that for a recruiting leverage. If he goes out there and sucks, recruits are like, oh, wait, why the hell am I going to go play with this kid? Like, he sucks. Exactly. No, keep that leverage you have going. Don't play him. Maybe, maybe, like, what is it? I, I wouldn't even put him against Penn State. Maybe Maryland, late game. The only thing that I think would make a ton of sense is like a two point conversion type package where it's like a goal to go situation. It's one specific play that he's been practicing. Like that is the only scenario I see that makes sense. Don't put him in first. I'd probably just put Langan in at that point and just be like, here, Johnny, go do whatever you do. I'm saying I'm on team. Don't play him at all. I'm saying if there is a scenario where you're going to play him, do it where it's like so controlled and he knows exactly what to do. And it's a play that's supposed to create a lot of misdirection and confusion. So it's an easy kind of see it, throw it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on the same side as you don't play him at all, but uh, other than back to the personnel changes, running back, switch it up. I don't care. Make it a committee at this point. Um, receivers, if Krukshank's not healthy, I don't I don't really know what you do because Sanders, who I, who I actually kind of like, hasn't been getting open. Jameen Jones, I don't know what happened to him. He's got stone hands all of a sudden, too. Yeah, he's been dropping so many passes. It's like he's betting on another team at this point. <laughs> um, not even last week. It was the week before that against Michigan State where he had, like, two that just went, like, literally – Right through his hands. I want to say on the same drive, he dropped two passes. Yeah, it's just like it makes no sense. Um, So maybe, maybe you'd have to start considering other receivers. I don't know who, just because I don't know who they really have at this point. Maybe one of the young guys, but again, you don't want to burn red shirts just for the cause of burning them. Um, yep. What else? Offensive line, I don't even, <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. Just pick them out of a hat again, see what happens. Hold tryouts. Maybe, maybe there's could, maybe a five-star on campus somewhere. I know. Maybe start Zelenskis at center and bump Krimin to guard. If you're struggling that much at guard, but Krimin struggles at center, so there's no reason not to think he's going to struggle at guard. I don't know. Maybe play Brian Felter, who was pretty damn good last year. That is probably the single most confusing thing about this season for me is a guy who is starting as a freshman, even if he's not good, he was starting as a freshman at Rutgers last year. Yeah. Why is he not playing at all? I don't know. He's pissed in someone's Cheerios. That's all I can say. Like, I really don't know. He, he definitely had to piss someone off. Um, I get it. He's a little smaller on the smaller side, like for most offensive linemen, but he's got that mean streak that you love. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a Vineski type who's just going to bully you in the middle. Um, I still don't think he's a guard, but if, if you're struggling that much a guard, maybe it's, he's on your depth chart as your backup left card. Put him in. See what happens. Yep. Um, Maybe you got to sub in like a Fadukasi or someone. I, I I don't know because there's not many good linemen on this team, so it's hard to it's hard to say. And like the young guys, like you can't expect anything out of like a Kevin Toth or Tyler Needham or uh, who else did they bring? They brought in someone else last year, didn't they? That was Winskis. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we're seeing what we're seeing right now because the staff has come to the same conclusion we're coming to right now. There's not any answers. They're trying yeah. to basically just throw shit at the wall and hope for a miracle. And uh, I just looked up PFF grades for all centers, and Mike Maiati is the number five center in college football. Ah, so that's, that, that's that great. One, that one stings quite a bit still. Yeah. I don't know what happened with that one. I don't know if you just didn't buy into the Chiano uh, culture or whatever. But and again, another undersized center who's dominating at least. So in the SEC, yeah, and in, in the best conference in college football, arguably. Sorry. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. So you on offense. Yeah. Defense, I don't even don't, don't get me started on defense. Defense sucks too. Um running deep rushing defense sucks. I think rule number one, I can't say it out loud, but I think we all think about what we should change in coaching wise. But the guy didn't work at Minnesota, the guy didn't work at Rutgers, the guy didn't work again at Rutgers. I don't know. That that's a tough call, but I do think you have I mean you don't do it mid season. Maybe yeah. you take away his play calling abilities and let Chiano run it, but at the end of the day, I think the offseason, I don't think he returns. I don't think you can afford to have him return. Um, DBs suck. Uh, Melton comes back. Woo-hoo. Man hurt. What the hell? <laughs> so I didn't even see that. I, I heard he got carted off. I didn't see the injury. Mm-hmm. Was it an upper body, lower body? I, didn't... I have no idea. I didn't, get to, I didn't really see it on TV. I might have missed it. I might have been grabbing a beer, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I rewatched it. I don't think they showed him go down either. So they, he just, I don't know. I, maybe maybe on some copy he did they did show it but yeah. I did not see it I didn't see it at all so I don't know but uh getting him back was kind of big news and then all of a sudden he gets hurt so that hurts uh um, first quarter I think he was done Patrice Renee and Avery Young didn't play which was interesting we'll find out more about mm. that tomorrow because uh we talked to Shiano tomorrow for a press conference so I was asked about that asked about Youngblood Felter all that basically everything we talked about but uh the running defense. I don't know what. There's no pressure by the defensive line, which is scary. Um, it's weird because they looked so good against Michigan, and fast forward four weeks later, and they look awful against a very, very pedestrian Northwestern team. I it doesn't make sense because like it's the same unit, <laughs> like same yeah. guys, exact same guys. Um, Tverdov actually played a little better this game, but he's been regressing this season overall. Um. A fine EMIJ hasn't done much of anything. The uh, only guy who's been consistently performing is Julius Turner. Like he's been consistently getting pressure. Like yeah. doesn't have like the tackle for loss sack numbers that you would expect from the yeah. guy who's been as good as he has. But he's I mean, been very you, good. If you listen to strictly the announcers on Saturday and did not watch the game at all, you would think Julius Turner is like the best player on the field, which I think Matt Millen just likes saying cock nose, cock nose. He's got that tilted nose. Every like 10 seconds, it's, which I don't, don't get me wrong. Julius Turner has been dominating. And I think he actually might make like a camp at this point. I think or he like a, even maybe even more, maybe he might make a roster. Cause he's just, he has that pad level down like perfect. Cause of his size. But um, other than him, I don't really see anyone on the defense that, did anything good longer beam should have had like he might be the best corner and he, he had a fantastic game he just dropped everything that was thrown he should out have had two picks and that explains why he, why he's not a wide receiver anymore yep but he, he had a really good game um and it's ironic because he's not that tall lengthy cornerback that chiano and fran usually love and he's probably their best one right now i think the game turned there was a third in i want to say eight Real far back in our ter- or real far, far back in Northwestern territory, and they drop back to pass. O three jumps up as the pass is coming, goes right through his hands, and is a long gainer. I believe that went for a touchdown, or the next play was a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, and that just kind of like bowed our defense seemingly. O uh, three yeah. had a couple nice plays too. Yeah, the morale in general, like the minute they give up a touchdown, you could just see everyone just like, oh fuck, here we go again. Yep. I mean, they got to fix something with that. I know it's a culture thing. The other thing is, is like, uh, I know I talked to guys, a couple fans on Twitter, and they, they still repost the tweet I put out before the season. This is only 34%, 35% of Shiano's roster. There's still flood recruits on the roster. There's there's ash recruits all throughout. Like, 
you don't want to take the Brett Bellini approach where you're calling out your entire like offense. I thought line. that was pretty pathetic by Bielmo to say that. Yeah, that like you could bad. say that internally, but saying that to the media is fucked up. Yeah. Uh, on video too. Like at least like do it off video, do it on audio. So like SID can come over and be like, yo, cut that one out. Like we're done yep. here. Um, but on video, live TV, like, oh, that's, that's bad. Um, you do that here. I think like three linemen quit on you like immediately. I could see it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do. You got to do something to spark these guys. Um, I think, I think the coaching staff starting to feel it a little bit. Obviously Shiano will never, ever, any, ever go anywhere at this point. Sean Gleason's not going anywhere. So people can get that weird idea out of their head. Um, he's, he's doing the best he can. Some of the schemes are questionable. Yes. But at the same time there, you can't do much with this line. Yeah, if you're looking at like the amount of plays that we miss versus the amount of plays that he poorly designed, it's way in favor of the plays we miss. Like there's been opportunities where there's been wide open receivers with bad throws, where there's been a guy open downfield with the interior line can't block and yeah. don't allow him that extra half second to actually see it. Like they're there. It's just there's, it's, a, yeah. there's a fuck up somewhere along the way. Yeah. Or multiple. Either guys aren't getting open or they are and they're dropping it or they're just they, – there's no time to throw the ball at all. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Between those, Shiano's not going anywhere. Um, trying to think throughout that whole coaching. The only two you got to like – that are probably struggling the most that are probably feeling the heat a little bit would be Allrich at offensive line because mm-hmm. no one's like – I guess you can't even say they developed because, like, it's the same line. Like, no one's really yeah. – I don't even know. No one's really gotten better, but it's like a converted D-tackle, a converted D-tackle. A converted D tackle, yep. um, a center who played tackle and guard over the past four years, and then um, a preferred walk on. Yeah, I, it's I, it's insane. I, I mean, I, you get. I think what we were you, what you expect when you hear that. Yeah, I think we were so high after last season's because they literally the previous staff literally didn't develop these guys at all, and Chiano came in with guys who were motivated and yeah. were wanting to develop these guys, put a program in that works, and they got a little bit better. And we all saw that they got a little bit better, but maybe they hit like their, their ceiling. Maybe we got as most, the most out of them as we could. And it's not really going to get any better until we get new blood in here and actually can develop guys with more talent. I don't know. Uh, That's my read on it. It's just so tough to get these guys just because everyone in the world, like I said last week, everyone wants an offensive lineman. If you're Bama, you're probably taking an offensive lineman from like a middle to low level power five. If you're the middle to low level power five, you're taking a look at, um, we just talked about before the show. Who's the best lineman on uh, Boston College currently? He's uh, his name's Zion uh, Johnson. I want to say he was a, a. They found him out of Davidson. He was a transfer there. Now he's first team midseason All American. So I'm saying everyone's transferring up. I think it was either Northwestern or uh, I forget. I did one of those throwback Thursday pieces. I think it was Northwestern. One of their starting offensive linemen was a uh, Arkansas State lineman the year before. I could see it. Yeah. And it's just you have to. I mean, you're gonna have to go to like the not even G5 at this point. You got to go lower to find these guys. Um, they've tried the G, they've tried the transfer route though. It just doesn't work because maybe, yeah, you'll get like the Davidson kid or you'll get like the Arkansas State kid that's decent. Okay, great. But at the end of the day, you're not getting a stud that's coming in. Um, and on top of that, you're not getting a Juco guy either because just because these Juco guys can't qualify out of high school. If they can't qualify out of high school, they're not going to Rutgers. So it's like, yep. You just got to pray and somehow hope Rich develops these guys. And if not, I guess you, you move on from them and try to find someone else. But I, I, I don't see that happening. But 
I don't either, mainly just because he's like Gleason's guy and he's handpicked to be brought over. Gleason's guy, he's main recruiter for half of these guys for these offensive linemen. He's he's pretty good at recruiting. So I mean, I don't think he goes anywhere, but I think at some point you have to start questioning it a little bit. I agree. But uh speaking of recruiting, uh surprisingly, we had a new 2022 offer. Uh tight end Mike Higgins mm-hmm. out of Blair. Uh, he was a guy that I think played at Bosco his senior year. He transferred for a post-grad year. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, he's got a connection to Rutgers that uh, a lot of fans have pointed out. So, I mean, yeah, from the beginning, his uh, his dad played baseball at Rutgers. I think he actually got drafted by the uh, – I actually talked to his dad the other day about it. He got drafted by the Pirates or Colorado? One of those two teams. I can't remember which team it was. He, uh, he got drafted out after playing baseball at Rutgers. Um, he's actually at the Glenn Gardner, uh, the beef uh, – jersey retirement the other day oh really yeah so he's he's still big on Rutgers. still follows the team follows everything um grew up born raised new jersey all that um his son did the basically the exact same route that victor kanopka took um i was gonna played, say it sounded very similar yeah played played basketball for a couple of years at bosco senior year coach sabella got him to come out and play football i mean you see a six foot six kid walking in the hallway it's like shit yo you football now. <laughs> Um, so he got on to play football and, uh, he's a pretty damn good receiver. I think he's a better receiver than Kanopka was, um, personally. Kanopka is a pretty, pretty solid blocker. He's, he's still got to develop. He looked like the solid blocker out of high school, still got to develop at the college level, but Higgins, um, Higgins could be that receiver threat that Rutgers lacks for actually right now. Um, he went to Blair. He's at Blair now, reclass prep school kid now. Uh, he, he's decent. He's really decent. He's got a couple offers, nothing big. I kind of fully expect him to take the Rutgers offer just because it's it's kind of hard to turn that down, number one, because your dad's a Rutgers, uh, your legacy at this point. Um, in, uh, in-state school, close to home, it's kind of your biggest offer by far. Um, out, of, out of Bosco, though, which I found was interesting, Boston College and Michigan offered him PWOs after playing one year of football at Bosco. Really? So they were intrigued enough to like, Hey, like get him on the roster. And now a year later, he keeps developing. Not many people have seen him yet. So Rutgers kind of, uh, worked him out. Um, and then they're going to take a shot on him most likely if he commits. Which it seems like from everything I've been reading, it sounds like it's imminent at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he, he seems, he seems like a decent kid. It's, it's a little bit of a risk. Yeah. For Rutgers, but you struck out on a couple other top tight end targets and um, you, you need one direly in this class. So um, I don't know what else you do, really. You have to, you got to take one. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is the time of year where from basically last year, moving forward, the transfer portal kind of kicks off early to mid October as these guys try and preserve that uh, four game uh, red shirt where they just transfer out mid-year. Um, so that's starting to heat up. There's been a decent amount of new names that come in. You hearing anything on the transfer portal front? Um, honestly, it's all extremely quiet. Um, one name that people – it's not nothing to do with Rutgers. It's just one name that people know that entered would be Tom DeVito, Tommy DeVito out of Syracuse, the quarterback. Now, if he entered last year, I could see them making a push because he'd have this one year left this year to play or whatever. Um, but now that he's – going to be he has no i've got to take it back he has one year remaining next year now that he has one year remaining next year you have Wimsat already on the roster i can't see them doing it uh it there might have been a possibility last offseason but i don't see it anymore other than that um the jalen burger front's been really quiet it's going to play out it's going to 
be a long process, I think, for him. I don't think you'll hear anything until at least like probably near closer to December signing day, maybe November, but probably closer to the signing day. Um, he's he's got so many power fives that are after after him right now. Uh, I know obviously he would like to come home. Rutgers is still doing their due diligence there and seeing like rightfully so, seeing why he got dismissed. You don't just get dismissed from a team randomly. If you want to leave, I'm sure. The coach, uh, Paul Christ over there would have just said, all right, enter your portal, blah, 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 do all this stuff. Instead, he was dismissed from the team, which makes it a little sketchy, but we'll see what this happens. This is also there. the same problem Rutgers has recruiting high school kids. Like, if you go after Berger, you have to actually be willing to take them. Like, a lot of these schools yeah. can show interest, like a school from halfway across the country and just kind of, like, drop off if things get a little hot. But Rutgers has to be 100% sure about this kid if they're going to really pursue him. Yeah, no, 100%. And if if they are, I think they get him. It's just a matter of if they want to 100% pursue him or not. And it's it's still a waiting game there. Um, other than that, I don't really think there's any other like notable names in the portal that they've reached out to. There's the kid out of Minnesota, Curtis Dunlap, who uh, actually considered Rutgers a little bit out of high school. I, I think Ash offered him back in the day. Played at uh, – Played at Minnesota. Panagos was obviously there. Rob Smith was there. Um, I don't see him going to Rutgers. I know he wants to go back closer to home in Florida. Uh, so I don't see that one happening, but he's the same size as uh, Holland Pierce. So, I mean, he's a massive offensive lineman. If you could somehow figure that one out, I don't know how they'll land him, but if they could, that'd be huge. Um, looking now. Nick Baggs, former Rutgers commit. No shot he goes to Rutgers. Mm, Probably transferring yeah. down, but yeah, I don't. I don't see anyone significant that um, Rutgers is char- uh, targeting at the moment. I've we've kept a really close eye on it. We've been talking to people, but it's more like they're going to wait till the off season. And on top of that, they need to cut some weight still if they want to get any transfers. That five limit's still pretty damn strict, and doesn't sound like the NCAA is changing anytime soon. So, which is okay. a shame. You'd you'd hope that they would give you some like kind of tailing off for these scholarships, given there's yeah. so many super seniors this year. I mean, they're, they're going to try everything they can not to expand that 85. They're, they're already trying to, they're doing that. Uh, I think it's up to seven transfers. You're allowed to yeah, that, place and go over that 25 limit per year, yep. but you, you can't do much if all your super seniors are back and you're already over the 85 limit this year. So it's like, damn, all right, we got to cut some weight here and there. So we'll see what happens, but I do expect a good amount of transfers this off season. Well, we'll keep an eye on that because uh, that is becoming kind of one of the more exciting things of the offseason in college football. But uh, since there's no game coming up this week, we thought it'd be a good time given that uh, media day was last Friday, I believe, for the basketball team to kind of do a deep dive for men's basketball, given, you know, this is probably going to be one of the more exciting basketball seasons of our lifetimes in 2021-2022. Uh, this is a team that's very experienced. It's... Uh, I, I want to say they've kind of trimmed it down to a more cohesive group than we've ever had. Like, I feel like last year, part of the problem was there was too many guys who thought they were the alpha of the team or too many guys that thought that they, they were like the, the big shot maker between like Jacob Young and Montez Mathis. Like you could see on their faces when they weren't getting the ball in games, how kind of agitated they were. Yeah. Um, of course. So I think the roles of this team are pretty well defined, but I, I want to start off with the roster changes that we've seen this offseason. I want you to give me a scale of 1 to 10, the impact of the loss or the addition of each guy is. 
So I want to start with Miles Johnson, uh, center. He's at UCLA now. UCLA is a top five team, pretty uh, consensus. They made the, the final four last year as like a 10 or 11 seed. They lost on that crazy buzzer beater to Gonzaga by Jalen Suggs. Mm-hmm. So he has potentially two more years to play if he wants to. I could actually see him doing that too, because you guys all know how important education is to him and he's getting a great education at UCLA. Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how big is this loss for Rutgers? Um gonna be i you know a lot of people might actually judge me for this one but i'm gonna say six like six out of ten. It's, oh wow it's not okay let's hear why his offense sucks <laughs> point blank he's a great defender phenomenal interior post president or post defender but his offense there's zero offensive game he couldn't do much beyond that cylinder and he had he didn't develop anything from freshman year to junior senior year whatever you want to call probably it the biggest point. liability as a free throw shooter on the team uh, that that doesn't help either um I saw something today that, and I, I like the kid. He's super nice, very, very nice kid. I can't um, can't say it that enough. But I saw something today saying like uh, Miles Johnson might go to the NBA after college. I'm like, no, no, like he's not an NBA player. He's not quick enough. I'm intrigued to see even how he fits out there because they they run a pretty fast offense. I don't know how well yeah. he's going to keep up with them. Um, but overall, I mean, six out of ten. I don't think he's a great offensive player, great defensive player. I, and Quiff, Quiff is I'm telling you, after watching that practice, holy shit, Quiff is gonna be <laughs> and if I, and Pykel knows it too, because I don't know if you saw in the presser, he's like, just enjoy Quiff for the next 30 games. And it's like Yeah, I thought that, that was pretty telling because he's, he's got four years of eligibility if he wants to use it. I don't ever I don't think we've ever expected him to stay his whole career, given he was such a high level recruit. But I, yeah, I thought awesome. that was pretty interesting. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take a slight brag here. I said uh I said three and done on the boards when you commit it. So, well, it's in. Eh, you never know. All right. Uh, let's file that one away. So, we got the next guy, uh, Jacob Young. He went to Oregon, which I think shocked everybody mm-hmm. that he's not going professional. Um, he's got one more year. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you think about this loss, one to ten. Um, this, this is a tough one because, as much as I hate to say it, it's like an addition by subtraction. He's one of those guys you mentioned that probably thought he was the best player on the team. And at times, don't get me wrong, he probably was. But there's yep. also times where he did a little too much, turned the ball over way too much, went too fast for his, his own good. Um, he was the ultimate, like, no, no, yes guy from last year. Yeah. He like, reminds he just me a like, lot of, like, a Lance Stevenson type. Like, he could be that great spark you have. And then other yeah. times it's like, Jesus Christ, what is he doing? Um, like, he was probably the fastest guy I've ever seen play for Rutgers. But half the time, he was so fast. Yeah, he was so fast that he just couldn't control his own body. Like, how many times did he, like, dribble it off his foot because he was just, like, ripping it around a guy? But yeah. then he would just, like, yam it down on a 7-2 center, too, sometimes. So Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's a very good player. I'm going to say, like, 5 out of 10 for him, probably, impact-wise. Okay. It definitely hurts because he's, a, like, probably – actually, I should say probably – he was your best defender last year in terms of guards and wings, whatever. Um, he was phenomenal on that end. He was so quick. Um, and he provided a little bit of a spark off the bench. I, I would say higher. The only reason I don't say higher than five out of 10 is because you're probably getting a very similar spark plug in guys. You're going to get a combined effort in guys to replace him. Like Jaden Jones can replace him on the offensive end very easily. In my opinion, I think Jaden's going to be a phenomenal player. He's super lengthy. can score at will can shoot from deep, can shoot from mid, can drive and dunk. Um, but on a defensive end, I think a guy like Jalen Miller is going to be one of your top defenders easily. Um, he's very tenacious when it comes to defense. He's very quick. He's got great footwork. Um, he hounds the ball. Like he does almost what Jacob did. I know Jacob almost had his like chest over the opposing, um, 
players like when the guy was dribbling, uh, when the offensive player was dribbling the ball, Jacob Young's chest was literally like over the ball at times. But yeah. as you'll see a little bit of that from uh, Jalen Miller early on, but he he's just got. I don't even know how to describe it. Just watching him in practice the other day, he's, he's going to be one of their better defenders. He'll be a top two defender on the team this year, Jalen Mill. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, we keep hearing about how good of a defender is, but I just want yeah. to see it in action at this point, given he's a true freshman. Yeah, his offensive game is a little questionable. That's the only reason I don't say he is Jacob Young, but he's he's a very, very good defender. So we'll, we'll see what he uh, how he can replace him. Perfect. Uh, next loss we had was uh, Montez Mathis. He went to St. John's. He's got two more years if he wants to use two more years there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one to ten. Right this one. Uh, I, I hate to like bag on the guy, but like two out of ten maybe. He Yeah, he had a couple games where he would score like 15 to 20 points, but then he would just disappear for week-long stretches. It was very strange. Yeah, he showed glimpses. He never really developed into that play, that four-star caliber player that like we saw out of him out of high school. Um, he had such good slashing moves out of high school. He there were times where he slashed the Rutgers and had a huge dunk on someone. It's like, holy shit, yeah, it does this kid is good. And then, um, I'm not gonna go back in the tweets and find it, but I, I definitely raved about him quite a bit when he first committed. But we'll ignore that. Um, <laughs> he never really developed a true jumper, his release was really like slow for some reason. Um, kind of hot and cold from three pointer, so struggled at free throws. Another good defender, but other than that, like, I, I don't see it as a huge loss. I think he's very replaceable. I think um, Jalen Miller is going to fill in there, too, as that other guard. You have Jaden Jones filling in as a guard. Caleb, Paul, there, there's so many, like, weapons on the team this year. Uh, Moat Mag is going to play a lot of guard. Like, there's so many weapons that can replace him very easily, in my opinion, and I, I don't see this as a huge loss at all. Like, it, and St. John's, I agree. I'm intrigued to see how he fits at St. John's. I don't know how well they'll use him. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if he actually becomes a starter there and gets more minutes than he already had here because I mean, yeah. they have they have a decent amount of talent there as well. So we'll see. The last guy we lost due to transfer, Mamadou uh, Ducore, center, LaSalle. Uh, if you could say, what do you think? I think I know what's coming here. I'm going to get so much hate for this. Like, it's just <laughs> I mean, all four of them. Uh, one out of ten. Like, uh, there's nothing else to say here. I, he's He was the third string center. He barely got playing time, I, which is crazy because he, he started like 20 games his freshman year. Yeah, he was either the uh, human victory cigar or uh, both Cliff and Miles have two fouls in the first seven minutes. We need some guy to just eat up minutes for us. Yeah, I mean, it, he didn't really do much. He wasn't a good free throw shooter. He didn't really have an offensive game. Um, didn't have a defensive game. I think Dean Reber pretty much replaces him and takes over his role as like third string, third string center behind um, Cliff and a G. Uh, Dean Reber, I've seen more from practice this one practice we saw than I've ever seen from Mama Dude. I hate to say it, but like he's Dean Reber is turning into a lot a, a decent player. He's he's very Mama Dude is a four star. I, I, yeah, I'm no comment on that one. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who gave him that one, but maybe um, it's all potential. Yeah, but uh, I think Reber replaces him pretty easily. I think Reber actually is starting to show a little bit of a glimpses of potential. Um, he, he's turning into like that nitty gritty player, which I, I kind of like. like he had that one game against Iowa. That was like the only game that he like stuck out last year when he was defending Garza when Miles Johnson was in foul trouble. He was locking him down at times at the rack. It was really impressive. There was like a like a six or seven minute stretch where he made like three or four really nice plays against Garza, who was basically unstoppable against us last year. Yeah, so. I, I didn't understand the um the matchup 
by uh, Pike. I was like, holy shit, what are you doing? Like, that's a true yep. freshman. He's not a good true freshman. He's going against Luca. Like, good luck. <laughs> uh, no, but he did decent. He, he didn't do bad. There, there was a play um, on, what was it, Friday where we watched practice where he was boxing out a guy on the block and then literally jumped or not jumped. He, he saw the board and kind of, I guess he has a really good feel for where the ball is going to bounce. Literally went around like all the way around the free throw line, all the way to the, almost the other block and even like a little kind of wing area and just got the board over like two different dudes. I was like, Holy shit. Like like some Dennis Rodman shit. From, it's like, uh... <laughs> kind of like doing it all now. I kind of like this. Where did he come from? And he's, and he's more athletic. It looks like he lost weight, gained a little muscle. He, um, mm-hmm. He just looks more athletic overall. Like he's jumping up, dunking. And I'm like, oh, this maybe, maybe Pike's on to something here. Maybe, maybe Pike knows more than me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe <laughs> Pike knows how to develop guys who are a little bit under the radar. Who knows? I, I'll, uh, that, that's the one guy I did question quite a bit because I've had, I had two college basketball coaches tell me when he committed, they're like, oh, dude, he should not be going high major. He should be going to us at mid major. And I'm like, wait, really? Really? Like you're, you're dead serious? He goes, that can't. No, he should be going to us. He shouldn't be going that high. It's like, all right, interesting. So Pike knows his Pike knows talent, man. Yeah, it's interesting hearing Pike's like take on recruiting. Um, because I don't know if you guys saw that video that was posted. Uh, it was from the front office where they interviewed yes. Pike. It was like That's a 30-minute interview. Pat Wallace and crew. Yeah, they they got I mean, that's a some awesome access he's given them. Uh, but just like hearing him talk about his philosophy when they're recruiting guys, especially when he was talking about like the transfer portal this off season, how yeah. the first, he would basically judge whether or not he wanted to recruit a guy in the first like couple minutes where <laughs> if a guy's like, yeah, I need to play this position or I need to be a starter. I need this many minutes. It's like, well, you might not play this at Rutgers. You might not do this here. Yeah. So it's, you mainly wanted to hear guys that wanted to contribute rather than wanted to get something out of it. It's interesting because he definitely did reach out to a couple big names and I'm assuming you can kind of like pick and choose and kind of guess just based off like the message board rumors of who these guys probably were. But um, yeah, no, he, he has a certain type of player and he knows what he wants. He, he's one of the coaches that like doesn't just preach the whole, I need guys that fit my program, not guys that have the star rankings. Like he's one of the coaches that actually follows through with that through and through. Yeah, but he he also said something along the lines of like, if we weren't in the position we were in this year, where we have five starters coming back, I well, might have gone down one of those routes. Yeah. Like he might have gone after a guy who he plug and play as a starter, but it just didn't mm. fit in for the team right now. Um, speaking of plug and play for this team right now, we got a couple of transfers that were brought in as well. Uh, right. The first one was Andre Hyatt out of uh, LSU. Uh, he's got three years left if he wanted to use them all. He was a pretty high level recruit. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about him and what you'd give as a, an impact rating? One to um, I, I'd say this one's a huge one. You, another four, there's a potential that I, the more I look at it now with Hyatt on board, there's potential for an all four-star lineup out there this, this year, which, yeah. was, which is kind of crazy to say, considering this team was in the dumpster. What, what, what what's this fifth year, Pykele? This is, he's entering his sixth season. Sixth year. Okay. So think about it. six years ago, do you probably maybe had one four-star on the roster if you're lucky? Yep. I mean, yeah, hell of a turnaround. But uh, Andre Hyatt is a guy that they recruited out of high school very heavily. Um, he probably had Rutgers as his second uh, number two option and in the end, but ended up choosing LSU. Played a couple years there, New York native. Um, he's not a bad player. He's, he's actually intriguing. Uh, he can score the ball pretty well, can shoot pretty well from three, can kind of drive, kick, drive, dunk. Um, pretty lengthy, decent defender. Um had a double double in NCAA tournament last year, which is which is pretty big. 
I don't know if he starts or not. It's kind of like a weird situation between, I think, between him and Caleb of who's going to be that starter and who's not. I do think Caleb gets a start early on. I think Hyatt takes it over by midseason. I think Caleb's a better spark off that bench. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a very good player. I think he'll contribute some solid minutes. If he's not a top-five scorer on this team, I'll be shocked. But we'll see what happens. What do you give his impact, 1 to 10? Um, probably say like a – I'd say a 7. He's going to play a lot of minutes. Okay. He's going to play a lot. I like it. Uh, the other transfer we had brought in was Ralph Agee. He came from San Jose State. He's got one year left. Um, tell us a little, bit, a little bit about him and what his impact is going to be this year. So he's intriguing just because he Rutgers has ever, never had a big man that can kind of stretch the floor away the way he does. He has a really good mid-range. He has a nice touch around the rim, too. Um, he's probably going to play mainly backup center, but as you heard Pico in the press conference, he's been using him in – tall lineups too as the four against next to cliff i don't know who the hell the backup center is after that maybe reber but um ag he was very complimentary of he called him the best offensive rebounder on the team and someone told someone sent me a text before practice and there it was practice then press conference so i had no idea what to expect and they, i got a text and said something like um something something along the lines of like aging rebounding i forget the exact wording but I, he's like, just watch out. I'm like, all right, whatever. They start running five on fives. I'm like, holy shit, this kid's like actually like he's boxing people out. He's like only six eight and he's boxing out Cliff over. Here. He's boxing out um Harper over there. I'm like, all right, like he's he's pretty decent. Like he's kind of that nitty gritty big man that you kind of need. Um, he should fit. He fits the team personality wise very well. Um, just talking to the guys and stuff. Uh, we'll have an article on him soon actually. But uh, overall, he seems like a very solid big man. Like it, it's weird to say Rutgers has like two legit big men now and Pike even went as far this is another telling sign Pike went as far as to say at the press conference it's the best um five spot he's had since he's been at Rutgers so the fact that you had Miles and Cliff last year it's this is very telling yeah he's heaping praise on those guys uh down the post I think it's interesting that he also was saying that he really wanted to get back to being a being known for a being a good rebounding team, which I feel like we kind of lost the last year or two. Definitely last year. Yeah. So that is just kind of even pointing to that even more. Um, It seems like they've also made free throw shooting more of a priority during their practices. You want to talk about that and what you saw at the the scrimmage that kind of points to that? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, For starters, they'd be running like a full on, like, I don't know, three on two drill or two on three drill, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden someone would have missed like a very simple shot or a simple layup. And it's like, all right, free throw. If he makes it good, keep running practice. If misses, if he misses suicides and it's like, Oh shit. Like, this is like, okay, we're going to do this now. This is like some high school stuff. I love it. Now, <laughs> now we're getting into the free throw stuff. Like let's get it going. And um, guys miss free. There was a couple missed free throws. There was a couple makes. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't see Cliff making his and he, he ended up making them. So I was like, all right, well, there you go. You got a big man that can hit free throws now. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of uh, free throw drills incorporated into practice, whether it's little stuff like that. Um, towards the end, they just had a like solve like 10 minute focus on free throws where I, I, I think if you, anyone that's played basketball, you kind of understand like they break up into groups and you to that room, you to that room, blah, blah, blah. But there's a very heavy emphasis on free throw shooting. Um, I do think it'll be a lot better this year. I don't know how much better because at the end of the day, it's hard to simulate that crowd in the background screaming at you while you're trying to shoot a free throw. Sure. So it's a tough one, but it's going to be interesting, I think. So we have a 
we have, I think, another 11 or 10 remaining uh, scholarship players that we haven't touched on specifically. Okay. Uh, so, so we've got Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., Caleb McConnell, mm. Paul Mulcahy, Cliff O'Marie, Watt Mag, Oscar Palmquist, Jaden Jones, Dean Reaver. Of those guys, point out one or two that you think will make the biggest leaps this this year, other than Cliff, because we've kind of already alluded to Cliff being the guy. I feel like it's a cop-out to say Gio or Ron, just because I feel like Gio is going to be the same player. I think Ron's going to – I shouldn't say the – I'm trying to think of the word. Not regress, but he'll go back to Ron of pre or early season last year. I think he'll be more consistent this year. Um, I think you'll see that really good run early on, and I think he's going to be able to at least keep it pretty consistent throughout the entire season instead of tailing off like he did. So um, if, if we get early season run all year, first of all, that's a first-round NBA draft pick. Second yeah. of all, that's potentially first-team all Big Ten-level play out of two yeah. players on the roster. I, I don't know if you'll get him all year like that, but I don't think he'll tail off as bad as the, what was it, like 0 for 32 at one point from three? Oh, my God. Yeah. Or something like that, or maybe 1 for 32. I don't think he'll go that bad again. I think he's getting his confidence a little more in tune, and I, I think he'll – regardless, I'm, I, I hate to talk about them too because they're the most talked-about players. But I do think um, Paul Mulcahy he was showing off a little bit of a mid-range game in uh, the practice we saw, he's he's developing a, a true jump shot. This is a guy who came into Rutgers and couldn't shoot at all, was literally just a playmaker, um, true point, old school point guard. Now he's shooting corner threes, shooting, hitting threes left and right, pulling up from the mid and actually hitting them, switching them. Uh, he's looking very good. Caleb McConnell's probably your team's best defender by far. Um, if he can just stay healthy for a season, I think there's the sky's, <laughs> sky's the limit for him. He's not a great, like, not that true scorer that you want and like that you're getting in geo or Ron, but he's going to do quite a bit for you. Um, whether it's slashing or just the nitty gritty stuff, just, um, defending slashing. He's, he's kind of a do it all type player. Uh, who else do we have? Mwat mags turning into like a nice three and D guy. He's another, he's got, he got some muscle. I don't know where the hell that came from, but he, he got kind of like a little, I heard a lot of good things about Watt Mag this offseason. Uh, it sounded like from the Jerry Carino report that he was one of the guys that caught his eye most in an earlier scrimmage uh, yeah. that he was in attendance for. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he actually um, played quite a bit. I think he'd be – he's one of the main rotation guys. I know, obviously, starting lineup, it's probably Geo, Paul, whatever you want to – however you want to word, word that one because one's technically point guard, one dribble, whatever. Those two are like pretty much locked in. Then Kayla, Braun, and Cliff probably that's the question is who's the sixth man now? Because now you got Jaden Jones, who's a pretty good scorer. You got Mawat Mag, who's a pretty good defender. Jalen Miller, pretty good defender. Andre Hyatt is a great a great scorer. So it's he's got weapons this year. Pike has options, but um <laughs> other other than um the names we listed, uh I think we talked about just about everyone. Oscar Palmquist, we didn't get to see because he had an ankle injury, so. He missed him. He shouldn't say missed. He just sat to the side working out that that uh, rehab injury or whatever you want to call it. So, other than that, the team's uh, team's going to be interesting this year. They're they're deep again. They have the most depth I've seen in quite some time. I thought last year's team was pretty deep. This year's team is deep with talent. Last year's yeah. team was deep. Yeah. So this year's team, I feel like I am comfortable with seeing like 10 to 11 guys on the floor at different points last year it was a very tight rotation we had like mm. eight guys basically outside of the non-conference games um but this year like with the guys that they've gotten the transfer portal the guys that have 
made uh, leaps and strides from freshmen to sophomores. There's still eligibility wise freshmen, but from first year to second year, I feel like there is so much depth on this team that I don't think a single injury outside of cliff would really derail us for, for much of this season. Like last year, you better knock on wood. This, this fan base is going to hate you. (laughs) Sorry. I I, I don't even want to bring that juju into existence, but uh, what are your expectations for this team this year? they, They were picked eighth in the conference, I think that's a smash that they're going to finish over eighth. Like I can't imagine this team finishing eighth in the conference. But yeah, I was a little me. shocked by that. I, I know um, they got technically picked eighth overall, but I think the majority of people had them seventh or something like mm-hmm. that. Forget what it was, but based on percentages or whatever, it dropped down to eight. Um, I think they hit like at least top six. They're a very deep team. They're very lengthy. They can score. They got a couple good defenders. Um, I don't see a reason why this team should not be uh, should not be in the tournament again for second, third time, whatever you want to consider it at this point. So sixth in the in the Big Ten, that'd be a borderline top twenty-five team. Yeah, which I would make right them right a, yeah, which would make them a borderline six seed, roughly in the tournament. Um, so you're saying another tournament bid, six seed ish. Let's talk advancement into the tournament obviously it's a lot about breaking and how you know what your first round opponent like because sometimes you just get a really really tough opponent first round and you mm-hmm. can't do anything about that like one of the great mid-majors that just can do things that you can't really defend i don't know what those weaknesses are on this team yet i don't think anybody knows we'll find out during the season um i think this is a sweet 16 team this year and i mean this is me who my i've always been a Rutgers fan I was growing up even in high school <laughs> I don't know what a sweet 16 team looks like at Rutgers, but I've seen other sweet 16 teams and this is what it looks like. I feel like this is a team that is senior laden. They can shoot, they can defend. That's the kind of hallmarks of of a team that advances in March. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy to say just because if you look at the last year's, uh, I guess, bracket that they were in or uh, region they were in, they, they had every bit of a chance to make the sweet 16, if not go further. Um, yeah. if, if everything breaks for them and they get a nice little, uh, nice first round matchup and maybe set up a decent second round matchup, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't be in the sweet 16. Um, it, it's so tough because I, I based on, cause there's so many rumors out there too. Like we can go back to like, uh, I don't know. I, we didn't talk about it yet. That Rutgers going over scrimmage. There's so many yeah. rumors out there that Rutgers like played really fucking well. And it's like, I saw TJ Hitchings posting about it. The barstool Rutgers guy. Yeah. And that, that add, then it adds fuel to the fire and it's like, shit, like if they really played that well against top five Villanova, it's like, all right, shit, maybe they're like, maybe they're better than we think. But then again, you bring up the same thing. Like I've, I've never got to watch a practice of a sweet 16 team. So I don't really know what to what to look for. I mean, yeah, I know what basketball looks like. I know what good basketball looks like, but it's still so hard to tell. And then this is also, I I know Pike says it quite a bit. I don't know if I fully agree that it's the best conference in college basketball. It's definitely right there, if not the best, but. It certainly was last year. Last year. Yes. hundred percent regular season, postseason. I don't don't know. Well, I'm not going to talk about it, but uh, (laughs) yeah, they um, it's so tough. This schedule makes it that much tougher. And, I, I do agree with the fans that they definitely have to schedule out of conference a little bit better. I don't know if that includes make, maybe make more in-state rivalries, make go play Ryder, go play Princeton every year, go play every, go play Monmouth. I don't know why no one plays Monmouth. It makes no sense to me. So they are playing Ryder and NJIT and Seton Hall this year. Yeah. I, I think their entire out of conference should always be New Jersey teams. You don't have to travel. You don't have to pay much. 
It's yeah, cool. that'd be cool. There's no reason not to, but whatever. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, I kind of understand why he does it because the Big Ten schedule is that hard. I, I don't know how good the Big Ten is going to be. Like, is Iowa going to regress that much without Luka? Is um, Michigan State going to be Michigan State? Um, is Indiana any better? Probably not, but I don't think like, Winston's a good coach regardless, but that's – that's that's the Nets fan in me talking. <laughs> Michigan's certainly going to be just as good as last year. Uh, they returned their uh, I forget what his name was the, the the stud freshman center they had the white guy. Oh, and they're getting Caleb um, Houston. How do I know it? I can't think of his name. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson. I wouldn't say Hutchinson, but Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're getting Caleb Houston, top ten prospect in the country. Caleb Houston, I said that right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be tough. The Big Ten is going to be really tough. Purdue's good this year. Um, there's someone else I can't think off the top of my head. Yeah, Purdue think? supposedly has like their best team ever under Matt Painter, according yeah, to him. So. I say that every year, but Matt Painter is not that good of a coach, and that's why they struggle. That's also true. I'll, um, take, I'll take right there. So Rutgers has already made some big announcements about attendance this year. They've already got three games that are sold out. That's uh, Lehigh, Michigan, and Michigan State, I believe. Yep. A bunch of other games are close to being sellouts. So they've got 18 games at home this year. Uh, 12 of those games um, have less than 500 tickets remaining. Three of them are sellouts already. What's your over-under for the amount of sellouts we have this year? I don't see a reason why it shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. It's going to be a lot. Um, there's three already. I, I, I don't see a reason why you shouldn't get 10. I think it's going to be more than 10. I think, I, I mean, I, I said the over under at 10, I should say. Okay. Okay. Well, because, that's the over under I'm going to go over. I know I talked to a couple guys that said Penn state's really close. I think Pike even mentioned it in the press conference. Yep. Um, Penn state's close. So that would be four. Wisconsin's got less tickets to Penn state five. Um, Maryland's got 200. Nebraska's got 200. It's it's the out-of-conference games that have, like, all the tickets, too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, 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 maybe you can get Snag Merrimack. It's a Saturday afternoon-ish, November 13th. What is that? Um, same day as a game as Indiana, so probably not. But I, I don't know. That's – maybe I'm going to – you know what? Over under eight. Just because I'm like I'm like a little sketch, just because of some of these these out of conference games. I think that's the tough part. I think the Big Ten conference games. I see no reason why it shouldn't be a sellout. I think they sell out versus. Uh, actually, that's a tough one. I think they should sell out versus Clemson, but it's a Tuesday night at nine p.m. So it's like, shit. oh really? Yeah, Tuesday that's night nine p.m. in the rack. Woo-hoo. That's a rough one. That's uh, the Purdue one. If Purdue is as good as they say, that should be a sellout without a doubt. Lafayette's tough. Merrimack's tough. NGIT's tough. It's but it really sucks that these seniors aren't getting a, a home game against Seton Hall to, to close out that series. Yeah. They, they fucked no, us last year. That's going to be an interesting one too. I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to go to the rack on, or no rack. I don't want to go to the rock on a fucking Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> that Sunday night, seven 30. And it's like, yeah, let's go to Newark. <laughs> <laughs> getting out of here at 10 30. Can't yeah. even at least make it like a midday game so I can go get like Rodigio down the street or something. Like, yep. God, that's just it's brutal. But whatever, it is what it is. I, I do think uh that game, they if they don't open up the upper deck there, they're just a bunch of pussies. They gotta do it. Like they're gonna sell out the bottom half. Uh-huh. Just open up the upper deck. 
Do they ever open up the upper deck for Seton Hall games? They do for like Michigan State and like Michigan and shit like that. But they, I don't think they did it last time for Rutgers. I think they kept it closed, and that was a big issue. But whatever. They like to complain. They, uh, no comment. <laughs> yeah, that would be a mistake. I think that could easily sell out twice over if, if both teams are as good as they are expecting to be this year. Yeah, um, I mean, especially just put it like this. Rutgers, Lehigh, Merrimack, NJIT, DePaul. I don't even know where DePaul ranks on Ken Palm. I'm just assuming it's a win. Um, Lafayette, UMass, Clemson. Maybe. Um, Illinois, oof, I'm tempted to give that one. You know, I'll, I'll give them Illinois. Eight, so eight and one because Purdue, say eight and one against Seton Hall, who's going to be, I don't even know what their schedule looks like, but they did. I was, I was thinking about this as we were, I was writing up the this, this show sheet. Seton Hall basketball is really the only true rivalry Rutgers has. Like the only one that, like, both <laughs> sides hate each other. There's enough history on both sides where, like, yeah, you know, both teams can have some shit talking opportunities, but it's the only one that feels like a real college rivalry. And I totally agree with you. I, I'm intrigued to see if Michigan State pulls this off in all sports. Like, I, I it's like football's there. Like, it's just like it's right there. If they can, and the, the fact that it's sold out already, it's kind That's of gonna like, be a lot you of know fun. what? This this might become a thing. Like, yeah, Michigan's got Ohio State, and Michigan, uh, Michigan State probably always tried to get Michigan to be like their rival. Never happened, but they don't. I guess Michigan State technically doesn't have like a true like rival, so I guess this this could be it. In terms of football, yeah, like football, Michigan football, State. Football well, I, I mean, like Michigan State wants to be Michigan's biggest rival, but Michigan yeah. is Ohio happen. State's biggest rival, so that's never going to happen. Basketball for sure. Like both teams have had enough success on on the court to each other's main rival but it's, yeah it's interesting i don't know if they can pull it off because I, my guess was always like oh it's probably gonna be maryland you guys came in the conference same time local blah 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 maybe penn state and in, in like football or something down the line but i i don't think anyone saw this coming i think i think it could happen i really do think like michigan state Rutgers could be a rivalry yeah i could see it we've played them close in the big 10 pretty consistently even when they're in like the top four i remember there was a game at Rutgers where we lost by like three in the closing moments. Carew had like a crazy game against Michigan state. I think that was the year that they went to uh, the college football playoff. I mean, heck you lost by 23 early in the season and you beat them by 38 in the season. And it's like, all right, like shit, like what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Who knows? I I think this could be a rivalry, but um, both coaches for basketball will never pull anything like what Mel Tucker did. So it doesn't really matter, I guess. And that's going to hurt a little bit. If you want well, Mel Tucker, he might not even be there next year based on some of the, the rumors swirling. Sounds like, sounds like a lot of, uh, a lot of schools are looking at him and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I, he's not going to fit there last long, but we'll see. No. Like, but I mean, he fired the guy who won the LSU just fired the guy who won a championship two years ago or whatever, let go mutual agreement. Yeah. Mel Tucker. I mean, he showed no, he was pretty callous about leaving Colorado after one year and didn't give a shit. So I could see him doing the same thing. Michigan That's state. Colorado, that was going to leave Michigan state. Now it's like, I don't know. I don't even know where he goes. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, if LSU offers him, I can't see him not leaving. Yeah. it's a pretty big step up. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting coaching carousel this off season. Should be fun. Yeah. But, uh, so we covered basically everything we wanted to talk about. I don't know if you want to do picks again this week since Rutgers isn't involved, but uh, yeah, why not? Screw it. We'll, we'll do it real quick. All right. So we got five games around the Big East or Big Ten this year or this week. Jesus Christ. 
Uh, first one is Illinois at number seven, Penn State. Uh, this one's easy. I mean, Penn State's going to just murder them a couple times and just play with their corpse and toss them whenever they're done with them. It's not going to be close. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Sean Clifford might, 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 might play. He has a rumor has it. It's something with his ribs, either crack rib or bruise rib or something. Um, 23 and a half is a lot, but I still think they cover. I think Illinois sucks. I think Art Sikowski at quarterback is probably going to get picked off twice, maybe three times. I don't even know who the third string is. He'll probably be in the game at some point. And then, uh, yeah, after what Brett Perlemia said this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, he rallied the troops this week. <laughs> oh, geez. Such a bad comment. Um, next game is Northwestern at number six, Michigan. I think Michigan wins this one going away. I don't know what the spread is in this game. but 23 and a half. 23 and a half. Yeah. I don't know if they cover that. I, I think Michigan's pretty overrated. They've just kind of had an awful schedule thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see them covering, but I wouldn't bet on this game. This would be a stay away for me. Yeah, same thing. I think Northwestern covers, but I do think Michigan wins. I don't know how by how much. Definitely not 23, but I do think they run the ball all over, uh, all over Northwestern. Um, the next game is Wisconsin's playing at the freshly ranked number 25 Purdue Boilermakers coming off a big upset of Iowa. How the hell is Wisconsin favored? This is weird too. So Wisconsin's playing on the road and are two and a half point favorites. Very, very, very strange. Maybe they think this is the, the come down spot where you just had this massive victory and, uh, I'm going to pick Purdue here just because I think Wisconsin's still pretty overrated. Um, yeah. And Purdue just completely shut down Iowa last week. Cause I'm going to go with Purdue in the points. Yeah. I don't see how you don't pick Purdue here. Purdue's home. Purdue's ranked. Purdue's pretty damn good. Wisconsin sucks this year. Graham Mertz. I said it two weeks ago. I said it last week. I'm sticking with it. He sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see a reason why. Jeff Brom and Purdue. Uh, Jeff Brom actually was coaching for his job two weeks ago, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. I mean, he's he's gotten some extensions there, but yeah. he's he's let them down a lot as well. I mean, David Bell had like one of the craziest weeks for wide receiver in college football yeah, last was, week to get over 200 receiving yards. Yeah, 240 and 11 receptions. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't see a reason why Purdue doesn't win this one. I'd actually probably – I might go – on the sportsbook app after this <laughs> <laughs> make a, a money line parlay in there i mean um that's a, that's a tough one that's an easy one i think so, so even i mean vegas knows more than us 99 percent of the time and this is a very funny looking line so proceed with caution yeah um well, the next one's not any better yeah maryland's playing at minnesota uh minnesota's a four and a half point favorite at home I don't like Maryland at all. I think this one's a, <clears throat> a pretty easy cover for Minnesota, even though Minnesota's pretty beat up as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, Maryland just lost their second starting receiver this year to injury and in, uh, mm-hmm. Sean Jones. So now it's Demas is out. Jones is out. It's down to Rakeem Jarrett and a bunch of, I don't even know who's left after that. A bunch of nobodies. Um, yeah. I guess Minnesota at this point, home game, Maryland's is what they are. Um, I think it became more of a win. Now I hate to say it. Now that they have their top two receivers are injured, I think that Rutgers Maryland game became more of a win for Rutgers at this point. Well, that's another thing I kind of want to touch on. Rutgers is very rapidly losing a path to a bowl game. 
they really need to just thread the needle with the remaining opponents that they can beat. And that's really just Illinois, Wisconsin, Maryland, because they got to play Penn State and they got to play who else? Indiana. Indiana is possible. Indiana on the road would yeah. be a very, 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 very hard game to win, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they've just been they've been shit this year, so I don't really know. But I, I take it back. All their losses are against ranked teams, so it's yeah. Their defense was very good against uh, I want to s- whoever they played. Uh, Michigan State. Yeah, they were very good against Michigan State. Michigan State had to eke out like a late score to win that game. Yeah, and then their only two wins are against Idaho, forty point win and two point win against Wisconsin or Western Kentucky. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, the last game in the Big Ten this week, though, is the aforementioned Indiana Hoosiers playing at home against the number five Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State is a 19 and a half point favorite in this one on the road. Whew, I think Ohio State wins comfortably, but 19 and a half on the road against the team that, I mean, they got to be demoralized at this point, but they're still playing well. I'm going to actually say Ohio State does cover this, though, but I wouldn't actually bet on this game. I'd probably pick Ohio State and cover pretty easily. I mean, they've been destroying people. Mind you, it was Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. Um, but they've beat teams 52 points, uh, 39 points, and then 49 points. Jeez. Um, they've been absolutely destroying teams. Uh, I can't see a reason why they don't just keep that up. Uh, CJ Stroud's kind of coming to his own. Trayvon Henderson's arguably the best running back in the conference, if not nation, and – the wide receiver court between Wilson and Alave is ridiculous. So, I mean, go, go Buckeyes. Yep. I think we're in agreement there. Um, but I think we've kind of hit the end of this show. Uh, I want to appreciate you guys sticking around. It's been a longer episode than normal. Covered a lot of stuff in this one. Um, can't wait for basketball season to start. Hopefully this bye week brings some new life into the Rutgers football program. Maybe we'll see a little bit more uh, positive plays coming up. Maybe, They'll heal after this week and regain their spirits a little bit, but just got to fix that offensive line. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. All, all you got to do is go to the, the offensive line store and go pick us some oh, offensive yeah. line. Yeah. Just pick up a couple more defensive tackles, switch them over, see what Angoy's doing. Maybe switch him over. Yeah. Maybe get crazy, throw a linebacker in hey. offensive line. Honestly, see it, might works. it might block better. Yeah. Just all cut blocks. <laughs> just switch to a triple option over the bye week. Okay. All right. We got to stop. <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.